This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. Cammie here. First of all, I was on Conan last Monday, so if you have the internet, you could find that if you missed it. Uh, that was cool to stand up on Conan. And also, if you pre-order my book, I have the opportunity to give out a special signed book plate and a limited number of prayer cards. I don't know. It's cool. I worked with the publisher to make them, and I, I think they're cool and I like them. I hope you'll like them too. And today's episode is a chat with Mo Welch, a comic and illustrator that I've known for a long time. I hope you enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hey, I always have guests introduce themselves. I'll wait till you're taking a full sip of water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, will you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Mo Welch. Is that good? Nailed it. <laughs> um, um, how do you describe uh, what you do for a living these days? Great question. Uh, you know, I still describe myself as a stand-up because I feel like that's the easiest way for people to understand what I do. And uh, But, I mean, between us, it's, you know, I'm a cartoonist. I draw every single day. And uh, I'm now an author, I guess, which is... Uh, I think you are. If the book is published, I think you just <laughs> there's something, to say that. Yeah. There's something weird about like saying I'm an author when I drew the book. So, uh, but yeah, that is technically, I guess, uh, the title. But um, yeah, that's uh, what I do work-wise. Just had a baby, so I'm a mom now. Yes. Yeah, that is part of my work. How long ago did you have a baby? Five months. Five months ago. That is actually le- that is actually shorter than I thought. For some reason, yeah. this just felt like a longer amount of time. Right, right. How does it feel to you? Does it feel like five real months? Or does it feel I'm like-, like starting to feel like myself again and in, in that like I can like run up the stairs the way that I used to and it just started to be that way. So I'm starting to feel, uh, yeah, I'm starting to feel like, like me. Actually, can I ask you some questions on that? Please. Because... I'm going to take my jacket off. There's going to be some jingles. What kind of questions are these? These are jingles. Well, it's just one thing that's true about this studio, God bless it, is that it is either either, uh, the temperature of the inside of an ice cube or the surface of the sun. It's never, there's never. But when you walk in, it's really cold. It's really cold. Then you get, and then you get in here. Sometimes it's so cold, but I'm the kind of person when it's really cold, I sweat. Like that's like the most convenient reaction to being freezing because then you're wet and frozen. Um, that maybe that's like a stand-up thing because you know, like they always keep those rooms so cold. So you've just learned. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh man, this is so high stakes. Yeah. Um, but you're you are, you know, I know you. We know each other. We've known yeah. each other for. I was realizing the other day, like, like well over a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and two thousand nine, I think we met. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you as 
like a jock, you know, because you have always played basketball. That's been a big part of your life. And so right. I was wondering what carrying and then delivering and then the aftermath of that, what that was like for you in terms of identity. Like, have you been able to, did you play sports during any part of the pregnancy? Uh, till the second trimester, I played, well, I play basketball and I always have since I was like 12. And it's, you know, my body now is so much different. Like I've, I played last night and anyone will tell you this who had a baby, but it's like, I'm full of pee after because every time I shoot, I pee a little bit because like it's not right down there yet. It hasn't like, you know, it, I'm like, it hasn't gotten tight yet. Actually, I don't think people who I don't think we've heard this take. I know right. people will say that you pee, but I don't think people have. <laughs> You're I think right. you might be the first one to connect it specifically with hoops. Like, right. I think that's really it's really nice to know that right. like. Buckets have a relationship yeah, in here. Exactly. Um, I'll never, like the first shot I took was like a three pointer, did not hit rim so far from the board. <laughs> and I was like, I think I peed my pants just now. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, have you been playing with guys? Because well, I know you I know you guys play with and both. girls, yeah, yeah. I was uh I came I honestly it was like two and a half weeks after I gave birth, I went to the basketball court because it's down the street from my house and I was like, I just missed hanging out with the guys and like and then you know the girls too but like the guys game is down the street and and they were all like where have you been <laughs> we haven't seen you and I was like I had a baby they're like oh I thought you just quit playing basketball <laughs> I'm like I did <laughs> for six months when you were playing during you said you you stopped after the second trimester yeah, once I hit the second trimester so were you showing at all no huh I actually wasn't showing till like I mean, people didn't even know I was pregnant until I was like seven months pregnant. Wow. I'm tall. Call I, yeah. some core strength, some yeah. baggy tees. How did yeah. you pull that off? You know, I wear a lot of hoodies. Yeah. That's funny, though, because my, my sister is um, a dancer and you know my sister. Yeah. And she, all of her friends are dancers. And one thing that I saw with their bodies is like they have, so so dancers are like taught for so much of the like to suck it to suck it in it's like you suck in your your core and you like tuck your tailbone under and that is the sort of exact framing also where you like can keep a, a baby you can literally suck in a baby and right. so i have seen multiple dancers dance until like very late in their pregnancy and it's like the the baby doesn't show until it feels like it's like one day it's like it's right. like not showing not showing not showing and then it's like one yeah, day exactly totally popping through as that, opposed to like a little baby bump, which I think is what I've more seen on the internet. Right. That somebody is growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is like, I did not relate to, to, to like the poses and, and wearing like a tight dress or a tight shirt and, and having the baby bump show. I was like, I mean, my posture is more like down here and I'm wearing like a big t-shirt or like a sweatshirt. So I get why people didn't know I was pregnant. Would you then tell people? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, like, uh, I don't I don't know. It's just like all of a sudden one day people were opening the door for me. Mm. And they were like, oh, oh, my God, congratulations. And then the day after you give birth, it's like people are back to being assholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other reason I wanted to ask that is because I know people, I mean, at least I've heard and felt myself, you know, do the, like, delicacy around a mother thing. So I was wondering if the people you knew, if you were playing basketball against, knew what was going on and if they would have treated you like a total weirdo or right. 
You know what? One one friend, uh, my friend Blythe, who was also pregnant at the same time, she was the only one on our basketball team that knew that I was pregnant because I found out she was pregnant and I was like, I'm pregnant too. And so she was coaching one of our teams and then she would be like, stop going into the lane. Like, be careful. And I was like, okay. You don't want to draw a low elbow? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I did. I took like a, I, I took an offensive foul the last basketball game Jesus I played. Christ. And I never do that. And and for some reason I did. And Sam was, my wife was in the audience and she was just like, uh, or in the stands and she just screamed so loud. She's like, ah! And she's like, you can never play. You can't play anymore. And my baby's perfect, so. <laughs> was, is is that actually true? How is, how yeah, is. Yeah, she is perfect. Yeah. That is what true? Yeah, is she actually perfect? How's how's how does uh how is yeah. like health stuff going? She's great. Is that she's, scary at all? She's like um she's just like a healthy chubby baby. Yeah. Amazing. Love her. <laughs> and right now in terms of the division of labor, who is doing most of the baby care? It's very like I'm at home during the days so I have like a nanny for 12 hours a week. And so I I care for her during the day. And then on the weekend, I play basketball and do comedy stuff, and Sam watches her. Do you guys have an opportunity? 50-50. It feels 50-50. Do you guys have an opportunity to hang with her together often because yeah. of differing schedules? Morning, uh, morning, night, and weekends. Yeah. Wow. That's but we go out, you know? Like, I just, like, have her on me, and, like, we, we go places every day. Is that how you, like you growing up, and I know I know some members of your family, I know a little bit about your family. Did you feel like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I know, like I live in LA too. We both live in LA. And one thing that really shocked me when I first moved here was just watching people sort of, and I've seen this other places, but it feels like it's much more sort of what everybody's doing is... Um, integrating a child into the their life as opposed to their life changes and they're right. more staying at home, which right. like growing up in the Midwest was something that was the only thing I ever saw. Yeah. I didn't see like, it's like then you have a kid and then it's like about that kid's activities. Right, right. I didn't really see a ton of examples of, say for instance, continuing to play basketball on the weekend yeah, with yeah. a five-month-old child. Yeah. That would have been something I never saw right. until I sort of watched my sister parent in this way. But for you, I wonder what it's like. Like, like, what kind of parenting did you see growing up? Right. Yeah, no, you're right, though. Like, I think it's like everyone has taken this conscious effort to, like, not just be all about their kids' activities. That sounds so boring. Um, I, growing up in the Midwest, I was, like, grew up in more, like, the country, central Illinois. So, I mean, I had a different experience because my dad was not around. So I always just had one parent. And her life had to be about all of our stuff because she had five kids, you know? Yeah. Can I ask you some questions about that? Of course. Because I know you talk about this also on stage, but um, your dad not being around, at what age did that happen for you? He was like, what I will always say is like, he was consistently inconsistent. And I think that's why I'm okay as an adult because he was always out you know like 
my mom would call it his walkabouts. And like, but sometimes it was like he would leave for two years. When I was four, he left for two years and he would just leave. He would just like get up, leave. My mom went on public aid and then he'd come back two years later and my mom took him back. So it was a lot. It was a lot of that until I was 12. And that's when my mom kind of like had it. And then we moved to Chicago and I got a divorce. Wow. Have you talked to your mom about that that oh, time yeah. and like what made her make the decision that that was no longer acceptable? There was like my dad and like again I talk about this on stage so it's not like awkward <laughs> but like my dad was violent. And so like he had in the the last when we left the last day that we left he was really violent and he threw this, you know, piece of furniture at me and like then threw something at my mom who was nursing my sister and then we left because because it was just like it was enough and what was your mom doing to make a living at that time she was I believe she was a seamstress my mom was like five jobs so she she became an electrician right (laughs) yeah she's an electrician now yeah yeah she at 45 she had a career change she was a waitress when we were like when I was in junior high and high school and then at 45 she she went through the apprenticeship in Chicago and it's like a five-year apprenticeship. And now she's a, she's an electrician. Which but is, she, no, go ahead. No, she wished she were just making quilts. <laughs> <laughs> she sews on her lunch break. I mean, really? Because I yeah. think it's pretty badass that your mom is an electrician. I have yeah. to say, I think that's yeah. kind of a, a badass job. Um, but I, I just think about like, well, so many things about being raised in that environment. I mean, I know for myself, it's like, I don't have kids yet, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, and I don't know if I will, but I know that there were some things that I saw in my household that I really liked. And then there was a lot that I didn't like. And then, then you have to become an adult and decide what you're going to aim to have your household be like. Right. And I am imagining just hearing, I mean, even the difference in description, 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 like, you know, two parents available and a nanny included and, right. you know, you having an opportunity to also stay at home and then somebody else is the breadwinner currently while right. you're like, that sounds like a very different setup. And I wonder, um, like, did you know that that's exactly how you wanted to do this? I would never have a baby without being financially stable. That's, that was my goal. And I've always wanted to have babies, but, uh, I, I kind of thought it wasn't going to happen. Like when I moved out to L.A., it was like all about just doing comedy and getting by. And then I was like, well, maybe it won't happen. It's OK. I can, you know, I have like six nieces and nephews. And then, you know, when I met Sam, she was like, I want babies. I was like, great, me too. So then we just like made a plan. And that's the difference is like I planned this and my mom was just like having children, you know. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I hear you. I think that's an something that we're afforded as of course. queer people. Yeah. And also as um, queer people whose parents worked really hard to put us in a different social strata than, right. maybe, than maybe they were in. Um, strata? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, like, because for me, I was never going to get accidentally pregnant. So, like, <laughs> I've had to it's- really... Um, I think that... Just the idea that that's true. It's not just that people get accidentally pregnant, but it's also the idea that, like, for me, sex and love has never been 
directly connected to having a baby. I think that even just that distance also has a massive effect. Right. You know, like I can't imagine what it would like I think if I think if I had been able to get somebody pregnant, I think I'd have like nine hundred children. Yeah. Like just yeah. all like yeah. all over the world, like nine hundred children. Like yeah. I just think I it's not like I'm so responsible. It's just that some of this was taken off of my plate. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> Sam always says that. She's just like, if I could have like uh if I could get you pregnant, I would have trapped you the second <laughs> I met you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but what a what a yeah. what a romantic thing to say. I know. I would trap you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your um well, the, what you said you're you're a cartoonist and I know the character that you created is called Blair right. and um how would you describe this character in this like strip that you do or like I guess it's not a strip what is it called? It's a like one, a one panel. One yeah. panel. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't have the time for three. Uh, um, Who does? Yeah. She is like, I mean, like, I kind of describe her as an older Daria and a younger Kathy. Less anxious Kathy doesn't care about shoe sales, swimsuit sales, (laughs) any sales at all. Uh, Doesn't buy things, really. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, But she was based off of, I I was, like, going through, I don't even know if we were really, like, that in touch at that time. But, like, I was going through a couple... A couple breakups. and I remember well, when this yeah, happened. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay, so I was going through like a couple breakups, went home, was like at my mom's house in Lombard and like seriously, like why do I live in LA? You know, and like very much questioning everything I was doing. And I started that, that comic is kind of like same reason people, you know, tell jokes about it on stage. Like it was like that, that outlet, but just a little different. Well, that's really interesting because I would say there's also like, I mean, there's like a, there's like a hint of depression or like a feeling of defeat. Like this character is sort of commenting on how she feels defeated. I feel like that's like right, a big right. part of. She can't win. Yeah. And she knows it. And that's what, I mean, like, that's what I like. And she's different from me, obviously. It's like, that. that's why I didn't call it Mo. And I'm glad I didn't because she can like have her own, her own life. <laughs> She can stay. She can stay single forever, and people want her to stay single forever. <laughs> I want her. I don't want her to, to win. You know, she gets demoted at every part of her life, and wow. that's yeah. fun. <laughs> so you're like drawing this comic, and I. I mean, I do. I do remember a little bit about what may have, like, from an outsider's perspective, what may have been going on in your life at the time, right? But here in LA. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how long had you been here and what were you experiencing and what was, was life like then? probably here for, like, four years or so. And I was, you know, like, comedy can be really hard when you don't, when you're just, like, doing it. Like, I'll do anything. And, like, I like to try everything. And I believe that I'll achieve what I want to achieve. But, like, at that moment, it felt like rock bottom where it's like, okay, I'm... I'm not dating anyone, so, like, I don't have, like, that part of my life figured out. Um, my car had been towed a lot, so, so I don't have I remember this that, car. Yeah, I don't have that part of my life figured out. And, I and you know, I was living on friends' couches because I had been living with my girlfriend previously. And then uh, – and comedy just wasn't going. It's like you can try so hard at, at something, and it's just not working out, you know? 
Yeah. I think what when you're saying comedy can be really hard when you're just doing it, I think what I'm imagining is just that practice of like going out and going up on stage, you know, in Chicago, which is where we first met. Mm-hmm. That is enough. Like going out and going up on stage, that's sort of the whole thing. Like just getting reps and getting stage right. time, being seen, getting paid a little bit for spots. That's it. That's the full stop. Right. But I think here in L.A., during the times when that's what's going on, there's some of that. that there's a couple of years that feels like you're building. Okay, people are seeing me or whatever. But then it, there's sort of like a a turn where people are getting jobs and getting plugged into the system in other ways, and where after a while, just doing live performance feels like spinning your tires a little bit yeah. to me. Right. Or just doing, like, even seeing people get jobs, be like, oh, they're in, like, they're in a writer's room, which is, like, a very cushy job in L.A. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. You're you're in a writer's room. Why, why aren't I there? And then, like, needing to take that break, which is great, like, when I created Blair and saying, like... I don't even want to be there. Like, wh- what do I actually want to be doing? Like, make some goals, you know? And, like, at that time, my goal was, like, let's. I'm going to make a funny comic every single day. I'm just going to do it for fun. This has nothing. I'm not going to try to, like, sell this as a show. I'm not going to try to, like, make a book. I'm just going to make one comic each day and see how that makes me feel and then, like, send it out to the world, like, to my friends, you know? And it made me happy. It was just, like, it's like doing stand-up for the first time. You know, where you're like, this is fun. Like, I like wow. doing this. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And had you previously been, I mean, drawing at like this level? Like, I just mean, had you been drawing little one No, I stopped comics? doing, co- like, I was a cartoonist uh, for my college newspaper. And I drew, I mean, like, I drew my entire childhood. It was like, I loved it. I loved Garfield. With all my heart. Maybe sexually attracted to Jim loved, Davis. Loved, yeah. loved Garfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hated Mondays? Yeah. Something like that? Hated Mondays. Loved lasagna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've uh, heard of it. Yeah. So I like, I did draw and I wanted to get back into it. So it just, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not a great artist. I don't even know how to like draw a real body. <laughs> like, well, I don't that's, know the anatomy of it. That's the thing though is that, yeah. you, that like so many, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe like, Gary Larson and also Matt Gernig don't like mm. necessarily know how necks work. Right, right. Anatomically either, you yeah. know. So yeah, I think that's what works about what you draw is that it's, that's it's she's just it, replicable. Yeah. She's not realistic. Right. And then what makes it crude, what makes any character crude is no neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can only see the world yeah. with one perspective. Yeah. So how did you, when did you realize that this might be something that not only was something you wanted to do as a daily practice, but like, when did people start paying attention to the fact you were doing this character? I'm not sure when it exactly happened. I started doing like a lot of stand up at the same time. And then, and then it was just like, it was just like a conversation piece. Like people, oh, I like that comic that you do. And it just kind of built. It was very natural build. And then it, and you did make a TV show and you did make I made a like book. yeah I made a a digital show with TBS and then made the book and that was my goal with the book it was like to be honest like I had managers before and I was like I want this book to happen and they didn't make it happen and I dropped them and then I got other reps who like really believed in it and I was like I want this to happen first and it happened 
Oh, that's great. You know, sometimes it's like the people behind you too, not doing the work that they should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Well, that that process, process I would imagine was also scary. Right. So to to drop people that are working with you. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, did you feel more secure in LA or were you still in a position of, I'm not even sure if I should be here kind of a thing? Yeah, no, at that, at, I was like, basically when I went back to LA, like a couple weeks later, I had like this new, I was like, I don't care what's going on around me. I'm going to do, this is exactly what I want to do. I just want to draw comics and I love to perform. So like, I'm going to perform with like a, like, I don't know, I had like new energy about it. And so I felt like I was supposed to be here immediately. And I, I mean, I met, so like I, this comic that is like built from despair in August, I met Sam in October, (laughs) you know? So as that was building, so it was my relationship. Yeah. So I had this whole, like, it's like I came back and like LA was completely different to me. And I know, I think I know this, but how did you meet Sam? We met at a bowling alley. Oh, I don't think I did know that. Yeah. We met at a bowling alley and she was like, uh, honestly, I was like very into bowling and I was trying to beat all these lesbians in bowling because it was like a lesbian bowling night. That you were frequently going to or that was like a one-off? No, it was like, and it happened a couple other times. Are you still going to this? No, no. The fuck? I kind of gave up bowling. (laughs) Find out how to get me in this lesbian bowling league. (laughs) Let's start it. Uh, Jordan's doing fake typing yeah, yeah. hands. <laughs> you just want the bowling shirt. No, I want to. I want to win. I'm, in, I'm intensely competitive. Yeah. See, that's that's what's wrong with us at these lesbian bowling nights because like everybody else is having fun and like hooking and up. Everyone's like, "Hey, how are you?" I'm like, like "Shut the fuck up." One six out of my- <laughs> yeah. That's how I am. <laughs> Wait, so you had gone to this lesbian bowling night? You're I assume you had your own glove that you brought. Like, this is just what I think is happening. So I'm not great at bowling, but, like, I am competitive. But you, like, can dribble the bowling ball, right? Like, yeah, just yeah. a classic it, like, crossover. Like, the yeah. floors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you met Sam because she was part of the same group? She she was, like, she, she went to that bowling night, and she was, like— Immediately, you know, she was like, hey, I think I know you from the basketball league. And and I was like, you know, I thought she was like honestly trying to network with me because she just moved from New York. And so um, uh, this is the higher voice this, me, by the way. This is the story that I know. That's <laughs> right, this, right, is, right. which is that which is that the she asked you to like hang out and you thought that she was networking with you and yes she was asking you on a date yeah and I forgot her name <laughs> and I thought she looked different and when I went I, we met for our date and it's very very random but Rachel Bloom was there and we both know who Rachel Bloom is and so I was like hey hey how's it going and Sam wasn't there and she's like she's like oh you're you're meeting someone like are you on a date and I was like no I think it's like more networking uh her name is Sam. She's like does like musical theater stuff in New York. And Rachel's like, what I do? Like I I must know her. It's like Sam who? It's like Sam Brown. And she's like, no, I don't know her. And then Sam walks in. She's like Sam Martin. And I was like, oh no. And well, look in your defense. Thank you. That's the same last name. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're right. 
<laughs> and then on the first date, we like hit it off. So. I guess I'm also curious if, because I think before this, okay, I'm trying to like go back through my mind because you had been dating folks that you met where? Like, had, had you been on meeting people on apps uh, or had you been meeting people like at I, events? I just love the vision of it because you're like, so you went deep into Craigslist. <laughs> no, I, I remember of the women. I you think were I'm dating. just like, I, I'm like, I'm hearing you tell this story and- um, what's interesting to me about it is that, like, you're talking about a basketball league or, like, showing up for a lesbian bowling night. And I just mm-hmm. think that we're sort of in a time right now when people say, well, you can only meet people on the apps. And right. so, like, I, I wish I didn't have to say it like that. On apps. You can right. only meet people on apps. Yeah. And it just sounds like, um, well, first of all, that's never been my experience. I have always met people that uh, that... Um, I could date, but I am in a very strange category of people wherein I'm an, in a minority group yeah. and I'm a visible member of a minority group. Right. You so never, my under- I don't, I didn't meet. So like I did OkCupid for like the second I got out here because I was like right. single and I was like, right. what is this? Right. But that didn't last for that long. Everyone that I've met, uh, every girlfriend I've had and boyfriend have never been from apps. Like I've never been on Tinder. So where so like it's just sound, I I just am like remarking at this thing of you have hobbies which I think a lot of people don't have and right. first of all also some people need to work like you know eight, 80 or 90 hours a week just to like pay their bare minimum rent but then there's then there's the thing of um I do have time for like a hobby but maybe I'm like too scared or because sometimes that's where I find myself. I'm like, right. I'm too scared it to do this. Scary. I'll be bad at this. Or I can't try a basketball league. What if every single person is better than me? What if I'm the right. actual <laughs> worst person in the yeah. league? Yeah. You know, but that's something I've always known about you, at least, um, especially since being in LA, is that like you're very involved in a lot of different things that are right. outside of your job. Yeah, I don't, like, I love... Honestly, like I put myself in really awkward positions. Like someone will be like, do you want to come out and get like some random person? Just be like, do you want to get a, a drink with me and these other people that you don't know? And I'm like, I have nothing going on. Sure. But it's like really like get your heart pounding because I'm like, why am I going to drinks with strangers? So you do think it's hard. <laughs> it is. You hard. just do it anyway. No, I do it anyway. Yeah, it's no, of course, it's it's hard. And it's like, you know, I question myself, like, why am I doing this? Because I would show up to like. I just show up to events like this is a perfect example, actually. Give when I this. was living in Denver, um, I was like, I think I might be, you know, into girls. Like, so this is like, you know, 10 years ago. And I was like, I I looked online and looked for like lesbian stuff. And there was a there was a cafe called their cafe, but H-E-R was capital, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and they had like an L-word screening uh, night and all of that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go write jokes at this cafe. Just hang around and see just if someone see comes in. what happens. Exactly. And I stayed there for like five hours just like watching every person come in. But like even that gives me, you know, my heart is pounding from me walking into that cafe, seeing other people look at me. And yeah, you just but I would through. do it. You'll do it. Yeah. That's interesting because I don't, I actually don't find that historically I have done those things. I am 
changing a lot now, you know, in the, um, one thing I've found in the wake of divorce is that I like really thought I had my whole life locked up. Yeah. I, I think that that created in me like sort of a resistance to, um, things that I really didn't want to do. Like I would just be like, and I don't mean career stuff. I just mean like going to this party or whatever it is. Like I really would have, if I was having a difficult time socially or something like that, I would just be like, well, I don't need to expand further than what I'm at. I'm like good where I'm at. And then um, having to sort of rebuild my entire life, I'm finding that I have like a willingness to try a bunch of new things, which is pretty cool. Right. I took a dance class. On Sunday? What kind of dance? Great question. <laughs> it was like a hip-hop slash, like, I mean, was that like, is that like aerobics? I don't know. It's called right. Dance Church. It's 90 minutes. You dance hard the entire time. It's a very long everybody time. Is not, everybody is not fucking around. Right. <laughs> like, it is like, and you're doing it sort of in like a big crew of people. Like it's not, there aren't like, it's like a mob of people. The dance instructor is in the middle. She's going so fast and so hard. It is totally nuts. And you follow what she's doing. And you like follow what she's doing and you're sweating so much. And are you telling your parents you're going to church again? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling my parents I'm I'm telling my parents I'm going to dance class again, which actually mattered to them as much. So they're like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, Well, it must kind of be in your blood too. I mean, your sister's a dancer. I also took eight years of ballet, but I had like a lot of terrible trauma about this because I didn't like the outfits. And I would just be like, "Ah," you know, like it just wasn't what I wanted um, to wear and who I want, how I wanted to look. But it's like, oh, if you just wait long enough, there, you know, maybe there's a queer thing. You can just wear whatever the, f- I wore basketball shorts, you know, right. it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have found myself doing that kind of over and over again this year. This, um, I don't know, taking random classes or showing up to meet friends more similar to what you're talking yeah. about, which is something that I did other times in my life when I was trying to rebuild a community. Like, right. like you're talking about, I used to do the same show up at the random gay place. Right. When I was, you know, when I was 20, and right. I would just go, is it hello? Yeah. Is anyone here? Should I, just, I be here? I'm just at the gay place. Am I fitting in? But you, you had sort of an, you had sort of an, um, well, some some of your evolution or understanding of yourself, I watched. Like right. I was there for. Yeah. Um, Front row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because um, you moved to Chicago from Denver with, like, I guess some understanding of what was going on or did like where were you in terms of your identity just starting it was so new it was like it was that like walk into the cafe but not talk to anyone you know and it was uh I kind of just re I so I had like a boyfriend for for four years like high school boyfriend and then I had a college boyfriend for two years and I just was kind of going with the flow and I truly was like, I don't need sex. Like, I could be someone that, like, never is turned on, and that's fine. Like, I obviously, it's like, all these guys, like, they need sex, but I don't need sex. And, like, my my friends who were female were like, um, that doesn't sound right. I think you should be enjoying it a little. And that's where, like, I started questioning, because I was like, yeah, why don't I like any of the guys that I date, and I just, like, want them to give me rides, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, that's where I started questioning. That was like in Denver. And then when I came, when I moved to Chicago, that's when like 
well, you were on the scene. And then I just like started meeting more lesbians. And I was like, oh, like my idea of lesbian was or like gay person was different than like in my head. It was like only my softball coach. And I didn't relate to that version. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I moved to Chicago and I started meeting queer people, I was like, oh, okay, like you can be whatever you want, you know. Oh, my God. I don't think I, like, ever really thought that – I'm, like, realizing right now that I I am one of the first queer people you knew. Like, that's sort of true, right? Like, yeah. in the, first, in the first, yeah. first group of queer people that you knew? Right, right, right. Socially, for sure. Like, I didn't have any – I didn't have any gay friends. Like, my oh. whole – I mean, like, in coming up as, like, the jock and, like – Honestly, like, guys, it wasn't hard for me to have my boyfriends. And, like, I I don't know. It was just, like, kind of the way that it went and it was fine. Yeah, I hear you. That's just, um, that's just, like, that's, that's really interesting. I remember when you also sort of showed up in Chicago because I had Everyone already remembers the day I been showed there up. In for Where were you the day Mo Walsh showed up? Well, I mean, truly, there were so few women doing stand up in the yeah. scene. And anytime a new woman started in the, at this time, yeah. it really felt like it was like a sort of a sharks circling thing where like all of the guys that did stand up were trying to figure out like who was going to either fuck or date her. Like yeah. it really felt like there no, was like a swarming. So I inside, do yeah, it did. remember right. when everybody started yeah, yeah. for that reason. I do remember right. when you started because it oh, these it like made huge ripples in the scene and it was not because of like talent or being taken seriously at that point, you know, like right. it was because it was, um, you got it, that feeling. Like, yeah. I mean, like when I look back at it, I, you know, I do get that feeling and I did make out with two male comedians. And so, you know, and I remember like when people would find out and it'd be this like big thing and which made it even harder for me to, you know, come out. Because I was like, fuck, now I have to, like, explain myself, you know? Sure. That's right. what it felt like. Well, also mm -hmm. because at the time you were talking about some stuff that was personal on stage, but you were not necessarily talking about your sexuality. Right. And I think when – but you would sometimes, like, talk about maybe, like, your dad or something. Right. So I think it would – I think the other thing maybe that was going on is that I think people assumed that if you had something to say in that area – you would have said it. Plus right. you have blonde hair and blue eyes. So they're like, but she's not gay. Because blue-eyed people don't have You know what I mean? Like, I, I just think it, yeah, it was, was like a, thing. a different spot. Like when I yeah, came back. Yeah, of course you were. When I moved to Chicago, I was like, I remember, I totally forgot about this, but I went on a date with my junior high boyfriend. Like I, oh I was like, I was getting to know the people that I used to know, you know, and I was like still going on dates with guys and like talking to my exes and like, all trying to that's why it took so long it was just like I was just like figuring it out it took forever it felt it felt like it, it felt like forever. it took forever yeah. mm -hmm. <sighs> but then when I uh I had never been to New York City and I went uh I went to New York with Allie Clayton who's also a comic and we uh <laughs> we were like we're going to the cubby hole yeah I remember we went, when this trip yeah, happened went to the cubby hole made out made out with a girl and I was just and then it was like that was the beginning was and that the first time you had kissed a woman? Yeah, a serious kiss, yeah. Wow. She, yeah. And I mean, I was like 25, I want to say. 
It's also interesting because you were with another comic. So it sort of then was brought into the scene and into your professional life, like kind of at the same moment that it was brought into your right. your understanding of yourself mm-hmm. and your personal life. I think for me, like there was there was a big stagger. There was a big stagger. Those things were staggered for me. Right. Like I was. Um, yeah, I mean, I was doing improv in college, but I wasn't doing stand up until I already kind of knew who I was. And right. it's just interesting to think about. That was the hardest part for me. I always say that. It's like it wasn't that hard for me to, like, come out to – like, I didn't care about my family's opinions, like, in that way. And, like, I was just like, if they – like, whatever. They're not going to disown me. Like, you can't disown me, you know? And, like, I'm like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, my mom talks to me I every day. Just, why did I not have that? <laughs> yeah. Like, like good casual, luck. yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, there. I wasn't worried about them. I was like, go ahead and and hate me for it, or like have some negative. I did not care. Didn't care what my grandma thought. Didn't care what any of my family thought. And I cared about what the comedy scene thought. And and so, you know, I was so excited about comedy, and then having to change my material and change everything, and then feel like I let part of the comedy scene down from because I was gay. You know, because I was oh my like, God. Yeah. <laughs> that makes that like, breaks my heart. Yeah, but but also pe- let part of the comedy scene down again, like because of wanting to date you, like right? right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, it's about? like you you are you are labeled immediately. I mean, people meet you as a comic, and you're talking about your life on stage, and so they're like, "This is a straight girl." Like, this is a straight girl, and so to go then, it's like. You know, I'm going to the other side, you know, and like that's where I wanted to be. But it was so hard to make that transition. Did you feel like people treated you differently? Yeah, I feel like booking processes were different because it was like and you know this better than anyone. There's there's one gay person on a lineup, you know, there's one girl. Yeah. (laughs) And she's either gay or she's straight. But like they're not going to most of the time they didn't have like two lesbians on a lineup. Yeah, never. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, that was, like, the hardest part. So I was so excited to move to L.A. So when I I moved to L.A., I'm like, I'm going to, truly, I was like, I'm authentically going to be myself. I'm going to be a lesbian, you know, and I do say I'm a lesbian. Like, I don't, you know, that's, and I'm like, I'm going to do that the second I land. And and I did. You know, no one had a question. No one was like, is she kind of straight, you know? Yeah. It is, I think it is tough um, to shift well, I also think most, I think like every queer person has this experience because that's true. This is what happens in our family systems yeah. or like Work, in a yeah. group of friends, like, like because at some, because most of us have had, like, we weren't born and then realized what was going on. There's usually some community that has had to absorb um, an evolution of our understanding of ourselves. Right. And so I think what's, you know, what's like. Positive and also <laughs> tough about comedy is that, like, it's the same small group of people sort of forever. So even if right. you move to L.A. and you start again, then you're going to know some people in Chicago who saw this transition for you and everything. And I have a lot of compassion for you for having to, like, absorb all of that and go through this difficult time. I remember, right. you know, seeing it just thinking that it was probably hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm a late, I'm a late bloomer with everything that I do. So I feel like I was, I was kind of, kind of late. I mean, I felt like I was late to the gay game. And then, 
you know, late. <laughs> then you got it all done real fast. You know what I mean? Married, baby. So it all did happen. I was like talking yeah. to a couple people that we know and they're just like, damn, you grew up fast. Like one second you were like basically living in your car and, <laughs> and now you have a baby. But I mean, the other thing is, you know, um, I don't know if, if you're perceiving yourself as a late bloomer, like that, you know, that certainly makes sense to me. But I also think about like sort of some ways that the comedy world or like the art world um, may have also contributed to that. And then the way that that looked specifically in Chicago where there wasn't an industry and that time in both of our lives, because like not only were you living in, you know, essentially living in a car for a period of time right. or whatever, but like we have had specifically very funny experiences together yeah. of, here's an example. Yeah. <laughs> Doing shows in Provincetown, Massachusetts, where no housing was provided, um, but also wanting to stay in, so wanting to stay in town. My first tour. Yes. This is, our, this is, <laughs> yeah. we went on tour together. Yeah. This is our, this is us going on tour together. Um, we're, we're on tour with uh, our friend Ben Lerman. And also our friend Claire Beecher. Ben had housing right. provided. We, he, we were he opening for Ben. Yes. He was the headliner. We were his openers. And what we did was rented a two-person um, camping spot mm -hmm. at like a campground <laughs> in Provincetown. And we had a one-person tent. It's a bad idea. But also, we actually had three people that needed to stay there because Claire also needed to come in. So what right. we would do is about... A half a mile from the campground, pull over. Claire would get in the trunk of the car. We would drive into the campground to our campsite, park our car. Claire would get out of the trunk. We would, all three of us, sleep in a one-person tent. And I will say I remember we not, like, none of us knew how to put a tent together. Like, this we were tent. all very bad <laughs> at putting a tent together. This tent was not, I don't think. But it was dark, too. It was dark, and I'm not even sure. I don't know that we put it together, like, before we left. Well, no, like, properly. No, no, Like, I feel like we just fully decided that however many days we were there, which was, like, a few days. Right. We um, just went with whatever But worked. that one night, it was raining, and so we got this cheap hotel in town. Oh and then God. there was a leak in the hotel. Yes, and there so was. And so we walked in, and the bed just had a puddle yes. of water yes. on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. We probably so, bathed in it. We're just... Yeah, we're like, just, that, you know, that's an experience. Um, also, uh, also, we have dated the same person. Yeah. Which is also feels like a young art... We have dated. We have dated the same clown. Yeah, <laughs> an actual clown. It's my favorite joke. Uh, yes, it's my favorite joke of mine. I can have my own favorite joke. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean that was very much me coming into. The, she was my first girlfriend. I know she was your first girlfriend. Yeah, and so I remember I was talking to her right before I went on that New York New York trip, and I didn't want to kiss her yet because I had never kissed a girl, and I was like, I gotta kiss a girl in New York and learn what. How oh happens. my god! And then I'm gonna come back, and then I and I'm gonna bring my knowledge. I'm gonna bring my knowledge of kissing, which, to be honest, you know, it's the same thing as when you're kissing a guy. Like you're still using the same. Sure, moves. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no different anatomy there. Yeah. Um, and then all, and also another thing that is amazing is that um, when you were living in LA and you were living with our friend Claire, yeah, um, I came out here for a prolonged period of time. Right. To try you to were figure thinking out about moving if to, I wanted to come yeah, to LA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I not only stayed with you, 
but you had a trundle bed at the yeah. time, which was like it's adult bunk beds. It's adult bunk beds, <laughs> but also like the full, like your bed, I right. think was still like a full size bed, like not like a queen, right? No, they were both twin. They're both twins. <laughs> <laughs> so tiny. <laughs> So you had a twin bed, but then there was like a shelf. If anyone doesn't know what a trundle bed is, there was like a shelf at the bottom that you could pull out. And then that was also a twin bed. Yeah. And so you slept on like a slightly higher twin bed. So I'd have to walk over you to get out of it. I slept on a lower twin bed. And for like... Weeks. For like a month. Yeah. Yeah. It was... uh, I mean... Then I I don't know I never remember I just remembered it all being fun like it even was like fun Provincetown truly so fun I just remember being like oh I'm fun and like still I was like really new to everything so I had like you know I just like get butterflies thinking about it because it was just so like it was fun new and fun yeah yeah I think I think that's why I'm bringing all that stuff up because like maybe that's being a late bloomer but I also think it might just be having like a real wild and rock and roll 20s yeah. which i feel very grateful for and um something that's amazing about being queer person is that we often get to know each other past those times too right so it's not just having that experience but like knowing that you're still a human that being that exists and right that you you know There's what's so going on in your life and everything as an adult there was like i mean i I truly thought I was in love with everyone. I was like, would meet a girl, I'm in love with you. And then and they're like, no, we're just friends. And I'm like, you're right. We're best friends. You know, <laughs> it was like I had to fall for every single girl and then we become best friends. And I was like, you know, of course we're not, you know. Wow. What what was that experience like? Like the, Like f- figuring out that there was something else besides that? I mean, that was... It was fun. I mean, I was like kind of laid back about that process. Like I have a friend here in LA and I was like, I thought I was in love with her for like a year and I really pine, you know, and I really like people don't know, like she had no Mm. idea I felt that way. And, and so we hung out all the time. And then one time we were hanging out and she was like, kind of, she was drunk. I was drunk. And I was like, I think I like you more than a friend. And she just looked at me and she's like, no, just friends. And I was like, okay. And then after that, we were just friends and there was like nothing ever happened. But it was just like, I had to be like, why don't I do this earlier? So I'm not spending a full year thinking, <laughs> like planning our lives together. <laughs> oh. So I had to learn to do it a little quicker. Like, <laughs> get I don't know. I mean, quicker. But I actually think that's really, I think it is hard to tell when you're, I think for me, I've had a hard time multiple times in my life trying to figure out um, where somebody fell in my life, actually. Right. That's something I know. I know that pretty well. I feel yeah. like that's a, I don't know. I mean. It's hard to draw that line sometimes, like with with friends who you feel so much with because you've gone through a similar situation, you know, and you get so deep so quick and then you have to you have to figure it out. Yeah, I hear you. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a massive part of it. I also think the other part of it is like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think straight people are are like supposed to hang out with each other as friends. In fact, I think it's sort of taboo. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I get, I know there are lots of straight people who are friends with each other, but I just mean like men and women are not necessarily like there's, there are, are a multitude of rom-coms built on the fact that men and women can't be friends. Right. And so I think in order to spend time with somebody, you have to crystallize for yourself and for that other person what your intentions are right. a little sooner. Even if you do want to be friends with somebody, you have to say like, just, we're just friends. You know, right. like that's, I'm now I'm imagining the like straight woman talking to her boyfriend, like, no, I'm going out with Pete, but we're just friends. I'm thinking right. of Mayor Pete Buttigieg. That's what <laughs> right, I was thinking right. of. He's, he's a gay man. So that, but anyway, um, but I think like all of that process of trying to figure out how somebody is related to you, like is much more built into straight identity than for queer people. Um, I think we don't have to sort of justify or figure out or crystallize right. what someone else means to us. And so I think it can that can change that can happen at different times. It's a lot. Can have a massive crush on your friend. Right. That can go away, that can come back. You can also like absolutely not have a crush on your friend. You can also right. like really love someone and have that not be sexual. You can also really right. love somebody, have that be sexual and still hang out with them because like there's no taboo. You don't need to explain it to anybody. Right. So it's like a very complicated set of factors. It is a complicated... And like when you put in that you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure it out and you just came out, like it's like, you know, you you cut this out if you want. But like, you know, we were... Like we had that situation for a while. Mo, let's <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. Like, like, you know, that you were like a learning... You know, I, I learned you know, how to, how to be a friend now because of like some things that happened with us and like, tell me more. Do you want to tell me more? Yeah, of course. I mean like, yeah, of course. It's like, you know, when I came to, when, now that everybody who's listening knows my, my story of coming to Chicago. Yes. Uh, and how everyone knew when I came, (laughs) where they were, uh, you know, we met, And immediately, like, you know, your stage presence and your personality and, like, being one of the first queer people that I met. And I was like, oh, my God, you can be really cool and you can be queer. Like, and because you were, like, higher than me in this scene. Like, there was this whole thing. And I was like, okay, like, I, you know, I had a, you know this. Like, I had a crush on you when I, (laughs) when I was I do know this. Because you told me. Because I told you. Yeah. Um, And, uh, and then... You know, we we had our moments. We were in Provincetown and we we made out and like we had our make out moments. And then eventually we learned. I mean, by the time we were trundling, Mm -hmm. we were just friends, you know? Yeah, that was actually it was very I think for me, that was a really cool. I also look back at that really positively, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think. um, Yeah, I guess this is what. Look, I'm not going to invite you on my podcast and then be like, "Do you remember?" <laughs> I think, it is, I think you, people do you, relate to like the uh, to like you know to it's it's like something different at the beginning and then it morphs into absolutely obviously what it's supposed to be. Well, also, right, even it could be the right thing at different moments. Right, you know, like I think. Um, Right. I think what happened for us was that was that I really felt like a lot of um protectiveness and affection for you because you because I saw what what had happened for you 
with dudes and then sort of like sort of watching some of the shifts go on as right. you were as you were getting to know yourself. And um and I think like it is that's a hard thing to overcome is like a feeling of like I guess I'm like a, almost like a parent like a mama bear feeling or whatever you know like um I think that that was a factor on my side um and it's hard to figure out how we relate to each other so right. I'm like because I'm actually not like so much older than you right. but in the comedy world there's there is a hierarchy thing that's right. going on that's it, there's so many different factors here but also we were always like with other people I mean mm-hmm. like there you know there was uh I don't know. It's so funny to look back and be like, oh, I learned a lot about um, boundaries and like queerness, like around the same time that we started to hang out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I mean, and I don't regret those, but I honestly, I don't. I'm like, there is, you know, there was a lot of making out and all of that. And it was very like, <laughs> you know, it was our version of rock and roll, <laughs> like making out in a green room or like, you know. We had to, we had to do that. Yeah. It was, you know, I I regret, like, it's not like I look back and think that's bad behavior. I think like, Hey, I was figuring it out, you know? Yeah. I agree with you. I also think that, again, this is what's like pretty cool is that, um, so, you know, when we think about like queerness, I think there, it is a lot of pressure to figure out what somebody means to you and and what um someone's presence in your life is like supposed to be right writ large because Mm -hmm. it's so complicated it could fill so many categories but then the other thing that's amazing is that because you try something with someone and that doesn't work or because you test one boundary and then another one is thrown that doesn't necessarily mean that that person's out of your life forever and i i really will say that in my particular experience like i have pretty positive relationships with most people that I have cared about in a bunch of different ways, like mm-hmm. f- uh, like I was really good friends with this person at this point, but then I moved or whatever it is. And I feel like that's such a gift of being part of this community is like you kind of have to see each other again. Right. And so you also get to see each other again. Yeah. Which is really nice. And um, you can take years like I know with us like we'll take like years break, you mm-hmm. know, and it, and then it, you come back and like you're right. You do have to you have to see each other. So it's like. If, and honestly, like, I feel like this is like what it's like being a comedian and stuff is like you look back at times really fondly and then you start to miss people. Yeah. You it's, know, it's pretty cool to it's pretty cool to get to feel that way and then to be able to find out how that person's actually doing. I don't know. I had like a I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast, but it truly really relates to what we're talking about because I wrote this book about mm-hmm. my life, Save Yourself and there's my first girlfriend is in it a bunch. Right. And so I like, and actually my, uh, I have two part, former partners that are in it a bunch that I sent copies to. Okay. But I sent my first girlfriend like a bound updated manuscript and, um, and she and I have sort of a cordial relationship where like she comes to shows. I know what she's doing and I care about her and I hope for the best for her. And then also, um, I like talk about some things in my behavior that were not positive like, mm-hmm. during the time we dated and I wanted her to see it before it was published. And so I like send it to her and then she sent me like a really long and beautiful email about being happy that we had had those experiences together. And I just was like, who gets to have this? Yeah. Like no one gets to have like, here are some of the worst things I've done. I'm sending this to you. 
like, I wish you the best. And like, I know, you know, all the things that are in here and I, you know, and I care about you. And then the person sent back like, yes, no, I did know this, you know, a lot of the stuff that was in here and I, and I care about you. And you're like, this is like, this is. How who how do we get right. to have this Maybe there's just version more, of life? Yeah, there's it's pretty more of amazing. Like a forgiving, you know, nature to I don't know, being queer because I feel like the same way. Where I was like, I've been, you know, there were some relationships where I was like an asshole because I was figuring it out, and it's mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm still friends with those people. Oh my god, yeah, that's actually really interesting. It's like none of the guys though. It's so weird. They don't send me any emails. But that makes that's what yeah. I was just gonna say is like in the last year I've I've been um, so many times I've been like why aren't there like queer breakup al- um, anthems that are like fuck you you know like I've like sometimes when I was feeling so mad I wanted there to be like something to sing along with but those only exist if it's like toward a guy like right. they're they're like like all the queer anthems are like I hope you're doing amazing yeah, you know yeah. like so I was sometimes this, this year when I was really mad I was like <laughs> fuck like but but I think that can um, I get my sweater back yeah. <laughs> Just bring it to me next time at book club. Yeah, We're I, still in the same book club. You know, like whatever it is. Like I just, I felt like, but um, yeah, I guess that maybe on a longer timeline, I will not even need those angry uh, songs because I will remember that this is how life has been for me in the past, which right. is that like people come back into your life and it's amazing to get a chance to look back and have like some laughs and remember that you dated the same clown. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who who is great, you know? Just you know, just great people. Great great person. Yes, great, great person. person. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mo, um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And same. Um, before I send you back into your day, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero. So okay, somebody or something that made you feel like you can be who you are today. All right. Let me think. Well, I feel like we were just like talking about the comedy scene and stuff and I like I don't want to put it on you but let's call you the queero for helping me come out oh my god <laughs> Mo I think I'm gonna die that was the first one yeah. that's the, thank you it really means a lot to me everyone remembers where they were when Mo, Mo Cameron <laughs> <Okay. laughs> the queero oh uh, awesome so nice to catch up with you I'm so happy for you yeah yeah you seem like you're doing great You too. Yeah.